Hello everyone, so welcome to this new podcast where we are diving into the world of cosmism, catastrophism, all of that. <laughs> it's a, uh, a big uh, new thing to, to bite off and I find that as I was introduced to it that it is pretty over my head at, at points and so uh, Wendy and I decided that we wanted to... Um, kind of bring our heads and, and thoughts together to help explain it to others in a more digestible and, and palatable way. So um, first off, I would love to um, just kind of uh, both of us express why we think that this is a worthwhile study. Um, is, is it Christ-centered and how do we um, navigate this new type of of thinking about the the ages of the earth and and what is in our future. So so Wendy, how would you approach that question? Why is this an, an important study? Well, all truth is a part of the gospel. President Nelson was talking about how we should seek for truth wherever wherever it is. Um, and I I love. Um, finding things that testify of Christ and help us to understand his characteristics and attributes, right? We have the scriptures that, that teach us of those things, but all things um, will, will draw us unto him, you know, nature and, you know, out in nature and we feel close to him. Um, when we're even in school and understanding laws of physics or something, or you're just like, or the body and you're like, wow, this is just amazing how Heavenly Father has set up our world, you know, help set up, help us to be um to be creators with him even and so some some things are are big because they they, they seem big like this because they debunk so many of our 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 notions of what we've what we've grown up with and so it can be a little disorienting at times but it's awesome to to see how god has worked you know past present and future. And it's, there's actually a scripture and I'll just, um, quote, finish this question with this, but in the DNC 93, um, verse 24, and this is at the end of chapter two of the book that we're discussing, but he ends with this scripture and it says, and truth is knowledge of things as they are and as they were and as they are to come. And so we want to understand, um, prophecy. I mean, and we want to understand all, and if, we have this the spirit of christ and and the spirit of prophecy then we then it will testify of him and so it can help us to become like him and know him i love that yeah i was introduced to um (laughs) cosmism in a very roundabout way i was just beginning to start studying isaiah uh seriously for the first time ever in my life and um uh Uh, a good acquaintance of mine uh, came in and was like, well, Isaiah is actually all about all of this cosmism stuff. And it (laughs) overwhelmed (laughs) me so much right off the bat. Um, So I I put it on a shelf and and I hadn't uh, really picked it up until about a month ago. But now with a good background in Isaiah and a good background (laughs) of a year. (laughs) but Way to stay humble. (laughs) Some footprints in that direction, I guess. Um, I've picked it back up and realized that, oh man, 
this really is testifying of Christ and helping, like you said, unpack some different traditions or notions that I had, um, I don't know, picked up along the way uh, in my journey of, of life. And, and I just realized how important this was and that the Lord was leading me to, to study some of these things. And it's kind of like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> yes. Now, when I'm going through scripture, I'm like, everything's here. How else would you describe that other than in this type of a context? And so, <laughs> anyway. It's like a veil is drawn back, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. In, in some ways, it's like, whoa, like, I never saw that before. And yeah, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it helps answer so many questions that I've had along the way and... I, anyway, yeah, it, just like you said, it's just like this this grand veil that's just kind of lifted off. I'm sure there's way more layers that I have yet to to work through, but but this one at this time has really opened my eyes a lot, especially going through scripture, going through the temple, uh, just normal meetings, <laughs> even as people are reading certain scriptures, and I'm like, oh, I understand that in a lot deeper context now, and anyway. So I, I'm admitting my <laughs> very novice approach to this. I have a pretty good month under my belt, I, I would consider. So uh, how, how time have you had with this? Do you consider yourself an expert in this field or, or where are you approaching it from? Really just a couple of years. I mean, I was, um, when, when, during COVID is when I had the time to really delve into it. But the Lord drew me in this direction um, in 2018, so about four years ago. And um, I, I was trying to understand it. I was, he told me to go to a Facebook page, like somebody had, had posted on Unblog about something. And, and I felt the spirit and the Lord's like, go check that out. So I joined and I tried to understand it. I couldn't. So I let it you know, go for about a year. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then he's like, no, you need to go back and you need to look at that. Like, really look at it. And I was kind of under condemnation a little bit, like, Mm -hmm. So I tried and then I finally said, okay, you guys got to help me out because this, this is like you're talking in code and I have no idea. And they're like, okay, as a, as a beginner, you need to go and do this, this, you know, go and take his classes, go watch these videos. So I, I went and watched um, Symbols in an, of an Alien Sky and then I took um, and Thunderbolts of the Gods um, videos on, on Thunderbolts YouTube channel and then took Anthony's classes. Um, so and it was a big investment, but I knew that I, the Lord told me to do it. I had several witnesses mm -hmm. and then things just started to unfold. And, um, and then I kind of, I'd have to put things on the shelf a little bit and, and pray about it and think about it and read the scriptures and say, is this here? Is it here? And then I kept seeing evidences so that I knew that there was some, there was truth to it, but I'm still trying to weed out the philosophies of men, but there's definitely core truths that are important to understand. Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And so for anyone listening, uh, all of these different references of uh, uh, books and, and podcasts and classes and, and things, we will have all of those on our resource page uh, on learningzion.com slash cosmism. And um, that way <laughs> you don't have to fiercely take notes and rewind and try to catch uh, the name of, of the things that we're dropping. But um, as we do, uh, we'll we'll have that resource page updated. It'll be ever growing as we we find new things and uh, are introducing them in this podcast. Um, so, 
With this podcast, we are first taking a dive into Anthony Larson, uh, an LDS scholar who is taking uh, a man by the name of Emmanuel Velikovsky. Um, he's taking his works and, and applying it into a paradigm or a context of a Latter-day Saint. And so um, we, he wrote a trilogy back in the day. I don't even know what year this was, but... Um, it says 1981 on the 1981. title page. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So, so got 40 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just a, a novice, but he wrote a trilogy. It was originally just that one first book called And the Moon Shall Turn to Blood. And um, then uh, it was pretty popular and got some traction. And so he wrote two follow up books and, and made a trilogy out of it. And so what we're doing is going through the very first one, um, kind of chapter by chapter and breaking it down and, and some of the things that we've learned uh, in our study and, and questions that we still have, uh, etc. So um, what we're wanting to do with this one today is kind of walk through the, the first two chapters. Um, and we might break this down into <laughs> two different uh, podcasts. But one thing that I love about Anthony Larson's chapters are they're only like two, maybe three pages long. They're, they're very bite size, but there's so much information that you need to, to take those and then ponder them after, after each one. So chapter one is a, uh, is the only fictional part of his whole book. Um, but he first goes into a brief hypothetical opening scene of the last days when, um, a, a great, uh, catastrophic event has happened and the earth is experiencing the effects of it. So, um, uh, also <laughs> with this podcast, um, we are, uh, expecting you to, to read along with us. It's kind of like a book club of sorts. And so I highly recommend uh, going out and, and purchasing his books. You can find them very cheap on thrift books or at DI or uh, various different places. Um, but one thing to note with um, the first book in the series called And the Moon Shall Turn to Blood, there is a non-denominational version and an LDS version. And so the LDS version is a hardback copy, and the non-denominational version is a paperback copy. And so it kind of gets confusing because the next two in the, the series are both from an LDS perspective, and they are paperback as well. So <laughs> anyway, the first one, if you're wanting to, to read it from a LDS perspective, um, is hardback, and the following two are paperback. So with that disclaimer out of the way. <laughs> if you're wanting to follow along, um, I highly recommend reading through this um, hypothetical or fictional story that may not all be all that fictional. <laughs> so what was your take on that first chapter, Wendy, as you were um, reading it and um, uh, kind of experiencing his take on the last days? Is mm-hmm. it uh, congruent with... Um, the things that you've studied about uh, cataclysmic events and and what could possibly be in our future at some point? Yeah, kind of, uh, is it, it described things in a way that you'd never hear in any other book except maybe science fiction or something, right? Because mm-hmm. 
you have the dust coming down. It's like this dusting over the earth and nobody knows what it is. And then ash in the air is like, where's the volcanoes? And it's like, it's not from a volcano. It's, you know, it's contaminating everything. So anyway, so it's, um, and even being read, it's like, it just kind of a throwback to um, like the Book of Mormon, the catastrophe is there, you know, so everything like this, this thickness in the air, you know, of, um, or um, um, the Exodus, where, you know, the, the water was turned, turned red, you know, that's, so, so it really, it, it really aligns, though, with what would happen with the comet um, coming very close to the earth, and we're, we're getting some of that fallout, basically. Um, and then a lot of earthquakes and volcanic um, other upheavals because of the interaction with that comet is very true to form to what has happened in the past. It's because of that that interaction between the two planetary bodies, just like there's interaction between anything that's that's a mat that has electrical, um, you know, energy. The energy between them is going to flow, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't experience that right now. So it's it's more science fictiony. If if you're not seeing it. So reading it at the very first, you're like, this sounds like science fiction. But once you get into it, you, you kind of see, okay, now I can see how that could happen. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So how does one unpack their traditions or notions or unbelief, whatever you want to call it, about um, catastrophism versus gradualism? Uh, because those are kind of, those are, weren't terms that I was familiar with, but um, we have very much in our current scientific curriculum, I would say, especially on lower levels, um, adopted gradualism as the end-all be-all. <laughs> and how much we look at the skies and say, oh, things have never changed, and if they have, it's been very slow and minute and, and gradual. So how can we begin unpacking <laughs> that and and possibly accepting some of these more radical and uh, catastrophic events that uh, could possibly be um, the actual past and the the near future. Um, how would you mm. respond to, to to that kind of a a change or uh, uh, paradigm? That's a good question. Yeah, I think it's opening your eyes to what's there that's just been ignored or swept under the rug because we don't understand it. Um, but like you said, it's, it's our, it's, um, it's a curriculum and I was, um, I, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but called to be a teacher this year by the Lord. And I didn't want to do it because I don't want to teach things in that curriculum that way that they want me to teach them, especially earth science. So I was teaching some earth science, um, but I kind of got, didn't have to teach, um, anyway, um, some of the, the major processes of Titanic shift and what, what not and what causes those. But I, I was teaching weathering and erosion and, and other processes that are under the gradualism or uniformitarianism. Like things are constantly get this very slow change and, and then they've got this slow uplift. And that was, the, that was a very almost recent um, like theory, just like in the 1870s, I believe. Um, it was put forth and then because of Darwin and his ideas to also on the evolutionary and bio biological side, things happen slowly and things change slowly, but 
but the record shows that if you, we, you know, you get in and I was helping the kids study some of the, the record of the earth because I was supposed to show them, okay, look at these records of time based on the rock layers. But um, there's, there's episodes of, of um, catastrophism, like catastrophes, you know, within that, like so many extinctions and then a jump in life. Or, you know what I mean? Like you see so much around you, but, but we pegged it into this hole and it's like, come on, fit, 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 but it's there. And so like with like the Grand Canyon, we, for the kids, I'm like, look at this great unconformity right here. There's lots of unconformities in science. It just means where it doesn't fit. Right. Mm -hmm. But this great unconformity, there's a missing billion years in the rock record, missing billion years, (laughs) a lot across the whole earth. Like they can find it in several places around the earth, not just in the Grand Canyon. You can see it best there. But it's kind of like, okay, our dating is off. And Velikovsky got into this too. It's like, okay, if you, we've got to get our chronological dating correct mm-hmm. in order to see this correctly instead of like saying, okay, this is what we think it is. So we're going to fit it into that hole. And then we're going to measure everything based on that. And so you have to back up and say, okay, what's there? And we're not just going to ignore it. And then you can see so many evidences that there's there's um the hand of the lord is revealed many times in that that his power is very when he when he wants to act he acts and it's mm-hmm. i mean we're we're in this system and these laws are here that that are holding us in the space but it's it's a very fallen space and we need to get back to where we were and we can't accept that this is the right way because we're so far from him and when he comes again, it's going to be so different. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be very different. I posed this hypothetical question just out of the blue to uh, um, friends and, and family. <laughs> like, what if this were to play out and kind of, you know, along the line of, of chapter one here? And they're like, I don't know, I'd probably freak out and go try to hide in a cave or something. I'm exactly. Like, that that <laughs> may be your reaction if you're not prepared and, and don't know some of these things that are coming. Uh, because like Joseph Smith's uh, popular quote in, in all of this, that, that the great sign of the Son of Man will come and people will be, oh, it's a comet. Oh, no, it's it's a planet. Like there's going to be mass confusion, even amongst believers, of what the heavens are actually showing uh, when when Christ comes again and, and preceding that. There, we're we're going to... We're in for some some fun science fiction. <laughs> science fiction, that's right. That's literally, yeah. But it's truth. It's like, how can we learn truth now so that we can have more oil in our lamps? Mm-hmm. So that we can we can voluntarily have our unbelief corrected instead of having it forced upon us. It's a much different process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. We'll get into to Peter's quote here in chapter two, but. Um, so chapter two is a an interesting kind of primer or or introduction here. Um, I I find this paragraph very interesting. It's the third one there on page nine um, of the LDS version, and it says, "As modern man, we frequently labor under the illusion that we are more enlightened than our predecessors." But judging by our failure to understand much of what the prophets wrote, it seems more likely that they experienced many things which we have not. So, are we more enlightened than our predecessors? I mean, we have technology at our fingertips. We should be, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> based upon 
I think it applies to every aspect of life, right? Like Satan is counteracting God's plan and, and trying to, to thwart us and, and bury our heads in the sand. And yeah. sometimes we willingly do it, don't we? <laughs> yeah, or we just don't know where the truth is because we, we don't know where to find it, right? We're ignorant because mm -hmm. we don't know where to find it. And that's a sad place to be. Yeah, exactly. And um, so kind of continuing on from that paragraph, it says, for example... Nothing in our modern experience serves to fully explain the cause or causes of the miracles associated with the Exodus. And so um, chapter three and, and four will really dive in and nitpick all of the different aspects of the Exodus. But I think that, especially with Velikovsky, he really hyper-focused in on the Exodus because it's a, a general... Uh, thing that that most cultures um, know about, uh, even though it, it is coming from a biblical standpoint. But but everyone knows the Exodus. We all have the movie. We all kind of know that thing. And unpacking that in a totally different um, context or paradigm is is huge. And then he kind of builds off of that in in his works. And um, so here, uh, as Anthony is introducing us to it, he d follows the same pattern, kind of like, hey, the Exodus, Let, let's take a look at that. There's um, a ton of, of things happening here, and, and we, we put them strictly in the miracle category, and that they're, they're just the miracles of God, and we don't know how it works, but um, uh, that, that God just performs miracles. But if we look at laws and cosmism, catastrophism, and then things that we can maybe know that the cause or the causes, the, the laws by which God works here. So, um, but, Hey, um, before we go further, could we talk a little bit about, about Emmanuel Velikovsky and just, um, yeah. his work just briefly, mm -hmm. um, you mentioned him, but I don't know if everybody knows about <laughs> his book or who he is. Jumping in this. It's all good. <laughs> yes. We, we can balance each other out here. Sometimes I get so passionate about yeah. things. <laughs> so I'm sitting here like just praying, okay, Heavenly Father, help me to be like more chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're like, thanks for, we're, we're, we're balancing each other out. So, um, so Emmanuel Velikovsky, um, he passed away like what, 1979? I'm looking on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was just a psychoanalyst. He wasn't even a, a scientist or an antho anthropologist, but, he's, um, but he wrote this book, Ages in Chaos, which is so scientific in nature, like finding um, different observations basically throughout um, the world and cultures and, and putting them together to, to show this picture th that there is um, things working in the heavens that affect the earth. Um, throughout the world's history so what would you add to that because I don't know a ton about him but that's all I know uh-huh yeah so I've only read like one and a half of his books so far but um, he's very like Hugh Nibley-esque if if anyone is familiar mm -hmm. with with Hugh Nibley's works it's, it's pretty deep and sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's a little hard to follow but um he's kind of in that same time frame and um has kind of a, a similar writing style but uh yes that he he doesn't come from the the typical uh background that we would say oh yeah this is a credible source on on all of these things but isn't that how it usually works some of the the great brains of any area of expertise is usually kind of an outsider being led 
by God to, to find certain things and certain patterns because they don't have all of the traditions and preconceptions that, that everyone else has been brought up to uh, to just automatically assume. And so um, I, I love Emmanuel's um, type of, of approach to it. And um, yeah, I, I would just say that he's very much like like a, a Hugh Nibley, but <laughs> it is <laughs> worth the the dive once once you're there. But I do feel like Anthony Larson's stuff really prepares us to read his uh, material. But uh, yet, that's where the real meat of it is because he spent so much time unpacking um, the the ages of the Earth and really going through all of the different ancient records of different civilizations to corroborate and and kind of form a new timeline of the earth that nobody ever acknowledged at, at the time, but, um, uh, really put together and, um, let's see, there was something else I was going to say with that. I forgot what it was. Emmanuel. Oh, um, one thing that it points out in, um, one of the forewords or prefaces of, uh, Velikovsky's book is that, Albert Einstein and him were contemporaries and that Einstein was actually reading Velikovsky's work and, and agreeing with lots of different things. They had uh, points of um, disagreement, but uh, even Velikovsky's book was open on Einstein's desk at the time of Einstein's death. And so um, they, they were contemporaries and, and bouncing ideas off of mm -hmm. each other. And I think Velikovsky will go down as, as one of the, the great minds of, <laughs> of our, our modern age. Yeah, it's very good. Nice. Einstein added a lot to it, to our, our body of knowledge, but we've, I think we've taken it too far. Mm -hmm. the, the theory of relativity, everything's getting so weird. I know, right? <laughs> just, I don't even know it that well, but so like weird. everything's swapping places. Yeah, square peg, round hole, let's get it in there. Let's make up all kinds of stuff to make, make it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a crisis in cosmology. Yeah. It's it's been huge for a while with the James Webb telescope out now get getting more observations. Like you can hear you hear people freaking out a little. Yeah. <laughs> like on Twitter and stuff being like like has everything that I've I've learned, you know, as this astrophysicist, you know, background been, you know, wrong. Uh -huh. So I mean, crazy like like turning on its head something. Mm -hmm. So That's why I love a gospel perspective in all of this because God doesn't lie and he doesn't deceive, right? And so if we are scripturally founded in, in our journey, then we don't have that flying off the handle at new information or uh, seemingly uh, conflicting things. As they come to us, we go back to scripture, uh, ground ourselves again and go, oh, okay, it was all there. I just, <laughs> I'm looking at it from a new perspective. And uh, yeah. It's very interesting how all of this is very Christ-centered and, and gospel-oriented at, at, at its heart. Yes. So I really like at the bottom of page 10, um, so just these two short paragraphs, it says, Because the book of Exodus does not explain the cause or causes of the miracles which Moses described, we lack the information necessary to pursue such an inquiry. Faced with this type of a problem, Modern crime detection turns to other witnesses for corroborating testimony. Did others present see the incident? What did they see or think they saw, etc.? And so um, this gives a, a little bit of a primer, but we'll get into it in chapter 3 and 4. But the other witnesses of the Exodus, 
like how many times have we went through Genesis and, and Exodus in our our Bible studies and just like hmm that that's really cool but I never even once thought to go look at other people's records because there's more people on the earth than than just the Egyptians and the um, the the Israelites and so looking and seeing oh is there corroborating testimony and and what did they see uh, on page 13 we have uh, just a, a really brief uh, look at some of these um, but it says that the Egyptians uh, says that we saw the water turn to blood followed by great signs in the heavens the Babylonians said that not just the water but the whole world turned red we saw a pillar and felt an incredible earthquake that leveled our cities the Persians said that the earth shook and fire rained from the sky Mesoamericans said that, yes, fire and stones from the sky, and all the world became dark. The Chinese have records that, yes, very dark, and the ocean rose up and spilled over the whole continent. So it's not just the Israelites, and it's not just some really super localized um, event. This is, this is very cataclysmic and, and affecting the, the entire planet. And anyway, I found that just like kind of mind-blowing that I had never considered it, and now... Once you can't see anything else. <laughs> yeah. Love that. It makes me think of um, the title page like in the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. How the, the Lord, you know, he says, um, it, um, it's written by the Hand of Mormon, you know, where he says, um, so he wrote the Book of Mormon, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, that they are not cast off forever. And convincing of the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. And so when I look when I look at um, these things and you know, and the Lord revealing himself to all nations, um, could there have wouldn't he doesn't he love all of his children? Could there have been other prophets in other areas? Um, I don't know. It, it makes me it makes me think that, that that must be the case that he's working with all of his children um, and showing those those signs and wonders and the covenants to try to draw them unto him. Um, so I, I I look forward to receiving all those records. Right? We don't have a full knowledge of it, but we know that they're going to come and um but the that when they say a pillar of fire you know anywhere in the scripture where it's talking about pillar that's a very symbolic for covenants um there's there's that you know that of the lord right it says in in the book of mormon it references in that footnote to it being the lord jesus christ and um you know we want to be you know we we, we come unto him and enter covenants through baptism um and then through the baptism of, uh, of water and then the baptism of the fire and of the Holy Ghost. And in the scriptures, it describes that. It describes that as, as a pillar of fire. And, and people are in the, in the fire, but they're not being burned. Mm-hmm. And you see evidences of that pillar throughout scripture. You know, um, Anyway, we, we don't have to get into all of it, but you, the, the one that, especially as we're studying the Old Testament and you see see it it's, it's not a rare occurrence for them it was it happened you know and um with the prophet um and it's just 
Elijah, you know, calling down the fire from heaven as, you know, this pillar of fire. And they're jumping around trying to get it to happen and it doesn't happen for, for the apostates because their religion is built on apostasy, but it's still got echoes of what they saw in the sky, what, mm-hmm. what they felt like they should worship as an idol. So anyway, it's, it's really exciting to read these ancient records um, and um, see that the Lord is working um, with the people there. Mm-hmm. I love it. I know. I There's so many different tangents in just what little you said right there that I was like, oh, oh that would be an episode. That would be an episode. Like, I, I love it. I'm so excited to, to actually dive into to all of those because I've yeah. just been studying by myself. So I, I have never really talked to anybody and like, oh, I want your opinion on this and that. It'd be so fun. Hasn't the Old Testament yeah. this year been just so fun for you to, to go through and, oh and see all of these new uh, aspects that, that tie in? Yeah, the Mount, Mount Sinai, you know, the, the cloud on it and the fire and the shaking and the, the sound, the sound, the voice of the Lord. There's sound, there's light, vibration. You know, light is vibration. It's frequency. It's got a, a harmonic tone to it. And as we come to him, we're actually vibrating differently because he blesses us with his light and we change and we, um, we're, we're going to be able to sing the songs of Zion and that bring about miracles. I mean, there's, there's so much to sound. That's a whole other episode too. <laughs> you just did the scriptures you're reading through the, the word, the word is Jesus Christ. And it, it just read through the scriptures with that. It might, it's and the Hebrew root word, root word, the DBR root word of, um, is is really exciting to look at too yeah super excited i love it um so uh one thing that it it doesn't have like a a really great synopsis of this but um i think that we find it in isaiah that all apocalyptic writers meaning those that are prophesying of the end time scenario right before christ comes they're describing future events using their contemporary or the the phenomenon that they're actually seeing experiencing or have heard about from their predecessors and so um when when isaiah talks about things that have been shall be and that that really resonated um with me this last year seeing that all of the prophets look forward to our day and that we should expect the same type of things i mean they had limited space and and things to um to to prophesy forward with and so what we have is key or very essential to to recognizing the signs of the times and preparing ourselves for for the coming of the lord and so um the old testament has just been so fun Uh, unfortunately i didn't have the uh full uh cosmologic view of it uh, going through the old testament this time but um it it really has opened my mind in lots of different ways with that uh, apocalyptic uh, framework in, in mind looking at every single thing and saying hmm did they prophesy that this will happen again and why is that important that we take what they were seeing and and applying it forward it, yes it, it was key for me um so on page 14 um, he goes, uh, Anthony uh, goes through Second um, Peter, and this is, I believe, all in chapter 3. So this is verses 3 through 7, and I'm just going to be kind of cherry-picking some of these um, phrases out of here. But 
um, here, Peter is condemning those who um, are willingly ignorant about um, the fact that the, the heavens and the earth change um, and, and will change in the future. So it says here that... Um, yeah, for for this, no. Let me let me go back a little ways. So knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, "Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation." I mean, that's kind of echoed in the the Book of Mormon uh, when they are taking Samuel the the Lamanites' prophecies and and going to to put to death the believers, right? I mean, very similar uh, tie-ins in, in the Book of Mormon. And for this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And so, um, Velikovsky and uh, Anthony Larson uh, heavily quote and, and bring this up all the time of, of Second Peter and the, the new heavens and the new earth um, that, that is prophesied. So, what do, what do we learn from, from Peter? And, and why is that scripture crucial in our understanding of the way that God works, has worked, and, and will work? What would you say to that? Oh, I, I think for me, it's like getting out of my own head and getting like being willing to, to, um, be wrong about a lot of things mm -hmm. and being open to, um, just having my foundation, like, wait, things aren't always as they have been, you know, I don't want to be a scoffer. I don't want to just be walking after my own lesson saying, Hey, you know, drink, you know, drink wine today for you know tomorrow we die and it's like it'll just be whatever you know there's no consequences no no judgment um but but the but this says to me you know there's there was a old heavens before the one we have now that there was a fall in the heavens that is different than what we now experience that we were closer to god and that we fell into this realm and in order to return to him, we're going to be brought back. It's almost like the plan of salvation in the context of the earth, that mm. the earth um, is going to be gathered. Um, and so being open to like, okay, so there will be a new heavens and a new earth. There'll be things happening in the heavens, not just signs that will help us know that he's coming, but actual changes um, to, to almost a restoration of all things. Like President Nelson said, like the on, there's going to be this ongoing restoration that we're experiencing and however that looks it could be other planetary bodies actually like like enix city it could be a planet you know it could be a sphere that that was taken from the earth um i mean doesn't that make more sense than like a spaceship or something or they're just oh they, you know they all of a sudden they're just somewhere in the atmosphere i mean yeah. If, could the earth have been scattered like literally like her pieces being torn off you know what i mean like mm -hmm. she will be gathered and she will be brought back into the presence of the lord and dnc 88 it, it says that 
that she is an obedient she's a she keeps the laws of of i can't remember how it goes <laughs> but anyway she she will inherit a celestial kingdom and we with her so um and then that begs the question other questions that could come up because of that but <laughs> yeah. we won't go there <laughs> are there other well are there other planets that are not obedient mm -hmm. there might be sweet oh. i love it i'm excited to get into that conversation that might be like episode like 34 or something but okay yeah uh -huh. <laughs> well, I love it. Uh, i've never necessarily thought about that that's so fun so um so that's the the end of, of chapter two um is there anything else that you wanted to to bring out with with those first two chapters that that we missed or um uh, they're they're just little short snippets and a lot of things to chew on and, and questions to, to ask along the way. Um, but I, I love this book and, and it's a very great mm -hmm. introduction, I think. Yeah. Oh, there, I remember it with, um, for this, they're willingly ignorant, right? Um, th those that, that have like observation before them and, and, or, or truth given to them, but they just scoff at, scoff at those that have the truth. And that's really what the, the Lord says that we'll be persecuted in the last days for, for any truth that we do have. And so I see like Velikovsky and the persecution that he went through um, with, you know, this book was not well received at, um, at all. And so he went through a lot of persecution. Anthony Larson also was, was um, scoffed at in this. And so having, having an understanding of these things, it's, not easy but how how do you stand true to things that you know to be true even if there's persecution and so i'm trying to get through a point where i'm like okay how do i even tell my family like i haven't even talked about these things i'm like i'm still trying to just get a base testimony of it after you know going through the scriptures and and then the lord reveals it to you not just from scientific observations or somebody telling you and saying oh that is that true and so because because observate making observations is science basically it's what i teach my kids what do you see like how does that does, does that change your paradigm like what is it you know you should trust yourself you know we plant a seed what is what is growing is it good um then you continue to to to, to feed it and we we should be doing that in in the gospel and in our lives to find truth and so if we run up against opposition um that's okay and if it's not according to what everybody else thinks, that's okay, because we're supposed to be a peculiar people. And Joseph Smith talked of these things and his, many of his contemporaries um, wrote about it um, in journals and, and we're gonna get into that later too, but just hang in there, keep coming back and reading the book. Cause I mean, a part of it right now is like, well, what happened in this guys? What was it that, that caused all these things? And um, keep keep an open mind and an open heart to it and and the lord will reveal it not just as a knowing but as a like alma said i i know these things not of myself but because the spirit has revealed them to me and that's where we want to be and we, we keep checking things against um the gospel and against the word of the lord that that the Lord will actually help us to come closer to him and be more on the covenant path than we ever were. Um, and that's what this has given me is um, just seeing the glory of God 
in the scripture, seeing his light and his power is just so different um, and more straight and true than I ever, I ever experienced before and seeing the temple's symbolism in a way that's, that was shown in the skies to all inhabitants that they all drew these symbols that are on our temples. I'm like, wait a second, are we pagan? You know what I mean? It's like, no, those are just like, there's these apostate things that came through, but we have the truth, but in a sense we have it, but do we understand it? And that, a lot of these things, like I, I run into people that that are excited about these um, these concepts, but unless you have the Lord revealing it to you, also, and and it becoming a part of your covenant path and your covenant relationship, um, there's only a certain level of truth that you can obtain because these things are there's sacred things about it. There's sacred um, symbols in the sky and in this, these old heavens before, um, Noah's flood that, that caused the flood when that, that system broke apart. So, um, it's, it's exciting to go back to that. I'm excited for the Lord to come. And I'm excited to see these things because even though there's going to be a lot of catastrophes, we can be like, here's, here, you know what I mean? It, there's, there's a shift and, and it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> if that helps anybody. You get excited about it. Mm-hmm. I love it. That, that's so fun. I love that perspective. Sorry, I just keep talking, Cameron. No, it's great. Stop it's, me sometimes. <laughs> like such a, a powerful, not like a disclaimer, but um, of the fact that <laughs> how the restoration really works, because I find that, that many, including myself, have have a hard transition uh up against that type of restoration when when god himself is revealing truths to you and it has to become part of your um of your covenant path i mean that is crucial to um to learn and grow into otherwise like you said it, it just taps off at a certain level because all things testify of christ and and if we're just coming at it from a, a one point perspective or uh, just coming from a, a secular viewpoint, you just can't receive the, the fullness. But yet, once we look at it, it's in scripture, it's in our temples, it, it's over the pulpit many times that um, it, it's been there all along. And, and what a beautiful journey it is to, uh, to realize that God loves each one of us and is ready for us to prepare ourselves for the second coming of, of Jesus Christ. I, I love that. So many fun things. So for those uh, following along, if you don't have the book yet, um, here's just a taste of the table of contents. So um, uh, our next time we will be discussing the Exodus in chapters three and, and, and possibly four. Um, chapter five, we're looking at the Book of Mormon and catastrophism. Chapter 6 is, is modern prophecy and echoes of the past. Chapter 7 is the book of Revelation, a new perspective. Chapter 8, the siege of Jerusalem. Chapter 9 is when they return. It's a, uh, my favorite chapter. I love that one. And then uh, chapter 10, that we may better understand. And then um, some appendixes. Uh, appendices, right? <laughs> I'm not scientific. I don't pronounce it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, uh, if you uh, really want the, the background on Velikovsky or his works, or also uh, Appendix C is the vision of Charles D. Evans, um, which is highly significant and, and applicable to, to all of this. So that's where we're headed. Uh, we're into some, some fun different chapters and uh, topics here, but thanks for joining. Thanks for being interested and, and keeping an open mind as we uh, dive through and uh, learn all of this together. It's so exciting. I am... mm -hmm. Always learning. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Cameron. Yep, you're so welcome.